You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. So this week on the podcast, I had the amazing pleasure of interviewing Dr. Ellie Michelle. She is such a wealth of knowledge, especially when it comes to female hormones and really fueling the body for health. And we talk a lot about libido. We talk a lot about how that's a really great indicator of health. We talk about recovering from an eating disorder and how she went through her own journey with that and was able to really come out on the other side and have an amazing relationship with healing and hormone supporting foods and like her her journey is just so inspiring. I've worked with so many women and do work with so many women who have history of an eating disorder. And so I'm really glad that we touched on that because that's not really something that I've talked about on the podcast and just kind of her journey through that. It was just, it was very, very, very inspiring. And she is a naturopathic doctor and she just really, like myself, really wants people to understand the root cause of their hormone imbalances and how we can address them and how we can use so many diet and lifestyle things to just better support our health. And so I know you guys are going to love this episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. It was an absolute pleasure. I've been meaning to connect with her for a while. So enjoy the interview, take lots of notes, and let me know what you think. All right. Welcome back to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I have an amazing guest here today, Dr. Ellie Michelle. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited for our conversation today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. I am very much looking forward to it as well. I'm so, so excited. So for listeners who might not be familiar with you, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are, what you do, and just kind of how you got into the space uh, of female hormones and all of that amazing stuff that we're going to dive into today? Yes, absolutely. So as Dr. Haley said, I'm an, um, my name is Dr. Ellie Michelle, and I'm a licensed naturopathic doctor. Um, I specialize in all things women's health. So as probably many of the listeners know, women struggle a lot right now when it comes to all matters of health and the body. There's a lot of different things that women are experiencing. And what I'm passionate about is really helping to guide women back to feeling really connected to their radiance and feeling alive and just very connected to themselves and to their bodies because that's what gives us really the ability to enjoy our life and and really create a life that feels very exciting and fulfilling to us. So um, I really got started in this um, in this area of, of the health space, I suppose, um, through my own experience with going through an eating disorder as a teenager. So during that time, it was a very dark time in my life. I basically had to hit rock bottom um, and climb out. And through that journey, I really had to learn, or I got to learn, I didn't have to. It was, I now see it as very much a, you know, probably one of the greatest gifts of my life. Um, But I really got to grow close to myself through that process and create a much more intimate relationship with myself. And I really believe that that created the foundation for me to create optimal health from that place. So that's why I love to support women so much because when it comes to our health, there is just, there's so much um, available to us when we create um, a more intimate relationship with our own self. 
Mm-hmm. And it really can transform the whole way that we take care of ourselves and that we take care of our bodies. So, um, so that's kind of how I got into what I'm doing right now. Um, and then of course, just going through an eating disorder, I really had, I learned a lot about nutrition to heal from that. I learned a lot about the mind body connection to heal from that. And I had to learn a lot about just how the body works, just pure physiology and biochemistry. And that when I had a deeper understanding of that, it got me much more excited about, okay, what can I actually do to support my own physiology and biochemistry and just learning about that as much as I can. And that led me to obviously going to medical school, becoming a naturopathic doctor. And the reason that I chose obviously naturopathic medicine is just because as it's probably already very apparent, um, I'm so, I believe so strongly in in just the body's innate ability to heal itself. And um, that when we create the environment for optimal health, the body will thrive and the body will heal. So um, I'm definitely not a fan of the quick fix suppressing symptom model, which is the conventional medical model. I don't agree with that. Um, And so that is why I have um, my naturopathic medical training because it's just much more aligned with my philosophy. Absolutely. Did you always know that you wanted to be a naturopath? No, not at all. When I was a kid and just growing up um, in like my grade school years, I was always much more artistically inclined. I, I never was really into science that much, to be honest with you. It's really funny. That's so funny. I feel yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm so the opposite. I'm like the worst. Oh my gosh. I wish I was artistic. I really do. Yeah, I I really, for a while, science was a struggle for me. And it was tough, you know, when I first, like when I was an undergrad and I was starting to work on my pre-med prerequisites, um, it was it was a struggle <laughs> because that, you know, like the, especially the chemistry, chemistry did not come naturally to me. I really enjoyed biology though. And then once I got into medical school and it was much more like human focused, it wasn't just like general, you know, in, in mm-hmm. undergrad, it's like general chemistry, general biology, and, um, and then in medical school, it's much more about the human physiology and biochemistry, et cetera. So that, then I started to, it, it just made more sense to me, but yeah, sciences definitely didn't come naturally to me. And I definitely had to work to, um, to become more successful in that area, but I love what I do now. I, I get to really combine. I think there's so much art as you, I'm sure you feel too, in just supporting people and working with patients, there's such an art and create, create, um, creative aspect to that, which oh, I absolutely. really enjoy, especially when you're taking an individualized approach, because as you know, no two women are alike or no two people are alike. Everyone's very unique. Yeah, absolutely. And so yeah. could we chat for a second about your eating disorder and kind of things that yeah. you did to go through that? This wasn't even something I guess I didn't even really plan on chatting about today, but it's so important because mm-hmm. I'm I'm working with so many women where when we're taking a history, they're saying, you know, just so you know, you know, had an eating disorder in the past. And so working through kind of that connection with food and just like bringing that into their healing journey and really making it a holistic approach is so incredibly important because- yes. There's so much that goes into it. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. what did, yeah, like what did, what did that look like? And how, how did you kind of help get yourself out of that space? Mm-hmm. So it started really with, um, I think the very beginning of it was watching a documentary. I was about 14 years old and I watched a documentary about the conventional meat industry 
And it was obviously very traumatic to see, you know, how mm-hmm. they're treating the cows and the animals. And it immediately made me want, want to become vegetarian. So I just, I watched that and I was like, I'm not going to touch meat anymore. And then from there, I just kind of slowly started to eat less and less foods. I started to cut out more and more things. And it was also just, you know, a very dark, difficult time in my life. I was going into high school. I was kind of um, feeling very just kind of disconnected from uh, from the people around me. I started to really go in, internal. And, um, and I also had a very difficult um, experience with childhood with, a very, with parents who went through a very difficult divorce. Mm. And so I had a lot of trauma and Im- suppressed emotions. This I can say now, I have that clarity. But at the time, I did not I was not aware that all of this stuff was just brewing inside of me, right? When you're 14, you like don't have that level of awareness. Right. So I was dealing with a lot of just sadness and and pain from just lingering stuff from childhood that honestly was still happening. Like my my parents had a very, very difficult um, relationship even after they were divorced. So I was very much affected by that and just dealing with a lot of stuff from that. So there was a lot going on for me. And it was just kind of, I just kind of fell into this as a coping mechanism. And I think that, um, you know, as I started to eat less and less and less, and then I started to see that I was becoming thinner and um, it was just sort of a way for, it was, it became an addiction. So it's just kind of like, I think of it as similar to substance abuse. You get addicted to something and it becomes kind of like a numbing thing. It, It sort of disconnects you from what's really there, like the hurt and the pain that's really there when you don't have the emotional coping strategies, right? Yeah. And so I got very, you know, I started falling into this, this hole with that. And it did definitely spiral out of control. It was not within my control. And um, I did end up going to, well, for a while, I was going to like, um, adolescent doctors and my weight was being monitored. They wanted to put me on birth control pills because I wasn't having my period anymore. They wanted to put me on antidepressant, anti-anxiety medications. And even at that very young age, I was very much like, what is this going to do? This is just like, it's not going to actually deal with the root cause of why, you know, why I'm dealing with things this way. And so I would refuse all pharmaceuticals. <laughs> so this is very much like kind of in me. Um, even then I was like, nope, I don't want to take any medications. I don't think that's going to solve anything here. And it's just going to, you know, numb me even more essentially. So yeah. um, it's kind of funny looking back on <laughs> how I responded to being being told I needed to take medications. Um, but yeah, so that happened and I wasn't getting better. So I did end up going to an inpatient treatment center for a couple of months in Arizona and did have a pretty good healing experience there overall. But then I came, I went back home from that back into my same environment and I relapsed. Mm. So, um, then kind of from there, my, my family was saying, look, you can't turn this around. We're going to have to send you back into residential treatment. And so I just kind of got to a place where I remember I was working with a therapist at the time and I had been seeing a few different ones and and they weren't really working for me. So I finally found one where it seemed like it was, it was supporting me a bit. And I just remember kind of sitting in her office and having this thought that, um, 
this was not what I wanted to do with my life. It just all of a sudden hit me. I was like, is this really what I want to do with my limited time here? Just keep on wasting away essentially. Mm -hmm. And, and I thought, no, I think I'm, I think there's a lot more to life than this. I'm capable of so much more than this. So I just had this like moment. And then from there, it was just this very slow climbing out. And it took me, I, you know, I really got into, from there, I started getting very into yoga and dance, which helped me to connect with my body more. So I really was learning how to um, tap into my mind-body connection. And I remember when I started doing those things more, I started realizing that, or I would, I would admire the people around me who, you know, I thought were very, you know, people who were very good at yoga are really good dancers and they women and I would see how strong they looked and just I would and I would see them eating you know like at the dance studio between classes or on breaks and stuff I would see them eating and I would admire how they danced and I was like wow if I want to keep doing these things and get better and and be stronger I actually really need to feel myself so I was I was like 16 at this point and um, 16, 17. And so I started to feel more motivated to really take care of my body because I so wanted to like be able to be strong and participate in these movements. Like I told you, I was much more artistically inclined. So like dancing, I thought was just this beautiful form of expression. I wanted to be able to express myself in this way, but I physically couldn't if I was starving. Right. So that was like kind of the beginning of me really realizing the connection between fueling myself for for expression and for physical activity and understanding how important that was. So that's kind of where that started. And then um, from there, I just like slowly started climbing out of the hole where like I stabilized, I was no longer continuing to lose weight and I was starting to eat more regularly again. I went to undergrad and I was just dancing. Like my first year, my freshman year of college, I was just dancing. Like I totally got hooked, loved it. It was helpful for me because it helped me to want to keep fueling myself so that I could keep getting better. And then I just started becoming more interested in physiology. And like I said, the science is an understanding how the body works so that I could just, again, like I think the more I learned about the body and understood it, the better I was able to actually take care of myself and do what I needed to do to keep on healing. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it was a very, very slow healing process for me. It was just like, Every month, every year, I slowly improved and my health improved, but I was still very, I was still underweight for a really long time. So even though I was no longer like in an active full-blown eating disorder, I was still quite thin for a very, very, very long time, probably the majority of my 20s. And it took me going to medical school then to actually really start to get the damage that that was causing me and how I was in a suppressed hormonal state. So even though, you know, I was kind of like, oh, I'm good now. I'm eating, I eat regularly. I'm eating more than I was when I was very ill. Um, But I was still, it was still not enough for my body. And it took a long time for me to really get that. Like I have, like for me, I have to eat so much more to actually get my hormones back on board. Yeah. Oh, that, and that's definitely really an important thing. And so were you still, vegetarian during this time, like throughout yes. your 20s? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I was vegetarian. I said I, I made that switch to being vegetarian when I was 14 and I reintroduced meat when I was 24. 
Oh, wow. 10 yeah. years. 10 years. Yep. Did you eat any animal products? Like, would you eat dairy? Would you eat yeah. fish? Yeah. yeah. I had a very, very short time of being almost fully vegan, but that did not last very long. So yes, I was still eating some dairy and eggs. Uh, and then fish, I think I added that back in like when I was in, I was probably like when I was 20 or something, I started eating fish again. So I was already eating fish and eggs for quite a while um, before I actually added like animal protein back in. Okay. Gotcha. And yeah. so, um, how, like, how was that transition for you when you started adding animal protein? Because I know that I actually literally just had a consult with someone yesterday. She was only vegan for a year and she started losing her hair. Her hormones went offline and she immediately kind of just had the switch to be like, no, this isn't suiting me. I'm just starting to add it back in. Whereas there's a lot of other people that I work with that we have to kind of stair step it because there's a lot of, there's a lot that kind of goes into re adding in something that they either cut out for some reason or they, you know, there's some Mm -hmm. reason behind it, whether they didn't like it or kind of the animal activism behind it or mistreatment of animals or, you know, there's so many different things. So what did that look like for you? Uh, for adding meat back in, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So it's funny for me, what really motivated me to start eating it again was after I had begun strength training. So when I was 23, I was I 23. Yeah, I think I was 23. I really, this was when I had started naturopathic medical school and I was starting to learn more about female hormones and why they're so important and what happens when they're low. And I was like, Oh shit, excuse my language. But I was like, Oh my God, like this is so bad for me to have low estrogen. Um, because I, I started to understand how much it was going to negatively impact my cardiovascular health as I get older, my bone health as I get older, and then my Mm -hmm. cognitive health and brain health as I get older. So I started to, and I was really most nervous about my bone health because I'd already had a DEXA scan that showed that I had bone loss as a result of my eating disorder. And so that really scared me. And I was researching, okay, what can I do to support myself and to help stimulate um, some of my, some some new um, bone mineral density, try to reverse some of the damage that I caused. And what I kept coming across was weight-bearing exercise, specifically strength training. And so I sought out a mentor to help me, help teach me how to start strength training and how to lift weights. And uh, as I did that, as I started going through that process and get building strength and actually stimulating my muscle, I started to crave meat more and more. And I remember I would just like, I would like smell it and be like, oh, (laughs) like I would just want, I would, it would sound so good to me. So, and I was thinking about it more. I was starting to feel unsatisfied from a lot of the meals that I was eating that were, you know, still very high in vegetables and um, yeah, just low, low in, in bioavailable protein. So I was craving it more. And then one day I just went for it and I just started eating it. And then I just started eating it after that. So for me, it wasn't really like, while I think that initially I definitely did have um, kind of like a ethical um, environmental component to why I cut it out. And then I think it was honestly, I don't know, I just, I had some resistance to adding it back in for quite a while. And I think that was still lingering aspects of my eating disorder, to be honest. Okay. That's um, definitely I don't, fair. 
I don't think it was like strongly connected to anything else other than just a fear of eating more food. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what I, what I think it was really about for me. So, but then I got to a place where I had like, my body would no longer let me not eat it. And I had to just surrender to my body because my body was giving me such strong impulses that this was what I needed. I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I think also for me at this point, you know, I was in naturopathic medical school. I was learning so much about physiology. I'd seen naturopathic doctors already at this point. I'd had blood work done. I'd had nutrients tested. And I, kept, I was always low in everything. And mm-hmm. I kept taking supplements after supplement after supplement. And then, you know, I would retest and I was still like, every time I tested myself, I was just so depleted. And so finally I was like, I should, I need to, if I can get this from food, why don't I just eat the food? you know, because that's what I'm standing for. And I'm going to be a naturopathic doctor. And I believe that we should always prioritize our getting our nutrients from food over supplements. Supplements are meant to be to supplement, right? The diet, they're not supposed to replace the diet. And so that was also a big motivation uh, for me to start eating, just eating meat and eating animal protein, because I realized how much, you know, there's so many nutrients that I needed, that the supplements just weren't cutting it. And even like the, I would be very conscientious about getting, trying to eat vegetarian foods that were rich in certain nutrients, but it still wasn't cutting it because every time I tested myself, I was low. Yeah. And I think, I think that's so important for you to listen to yourself. And I, I see this a lot when we start incorporating more meat into people's diets where it might've been void for a long time. Like they really start to like crave it, which is crazy. I mean, and that's definitely your body telling you something that it's missing something because the truth is to do plant-based, you really have to be diligent, hyper-diligent, I feel like, about supplementation. Um, yeah. you, you, I mean, you have to be because there's just some things that you just won't be able to get in your diet. And so I see yeah. this a lot. Again, I'm not I'm not anti-plant-based at all. Um, I think it can be done the right way, but I also think it's really important to not listen to propaganda yes. um, that we might see. And there's ways that we can still ethically – and humanely consume animal products, especially doing it nose to tail. And I know that's something that you talk a lot mm-hmm. about. Um, it's just, yeah. it, it's something I see so frequently and I'm so glad that you are a part of this conversation. I think it's so important. Thank you. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think it's tough because we are bombarded with all this, you know, how horrible meat is for the environment and like the inhumane treatment of the animals. And that's Definitely true when you're supporting the conventional meat industry. So I don't encourage eating, you know, contributing to that industry. I think that there is, you know, there's a whole other world of, of farmers who really care about our health, human health, the health of the planet and the health of the animal. And it's like, it's like, we're all connected. Nature is all connected. And when you really want to get kind of deep into all the spirituality of that, it's like, everything is alive. We're all alive all of nature is alive. And, you know, even like the little, like bugs have to eat things like fish have to, everything that's living has to eat something else that's technically alive. So we're, we are all so deeply connected. That's like I said, it's getting onto more of a spiritual level, but I think that it's just so much more complex than we have to just stop eating animals and cut everything out and that's going to save the world. No, it is not. (laughs) It's not that simple. Right. Right. No, I, I totally agree. And I think, 
it's, it's a, it's a very nuanced discussion. You definitely have to come at it from a place of like level headedness, you know, yeah. and without emotions, because yeah. at the end of the day, our health is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, and our health is like, cause you said so many different facets, it's the health of the planet. It's the, you know, the food that we're consuming, all of these different types of things. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so, so important. So what are some things that you started noticing a big difference when you, when you were saying like your hormones and your estrogen was very low, what are some things that you particularly started adding in that no, you noticed a pretty big difference in, um, that could really kind of help get your hormones back online. If you could, if you'd say, yeah, like, well, the first thing, just because we've already been talking about it, obviously I started eating a lot more meat. Um, so specifically red meat. When I first started to reintroduce meat, I, I definitely was eating more, you know, chicken, turkey, et cetera. Um, and I was having red meat, like I would ha- was having it, but I wasn't having it not anywhere close to how I eat it now, where I pretty much eat it almost every day. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I definitely got to a point where I started eating red meat almost every day because I thought of it as like, this is like my multivitamin. It's just so rich in, you know, B12 all the B vitamins really, but really B12 and um, zinc and copper and selenium, like all the minerals. And there, so there's really, you can take all the supplements for that, or you can just get it from your food. And I was like, well, I'm going to just prioritize it, getting it from my food first over anything else. So red meat was huge. Um, I definitely increased, I mean, I had to increase all my macronutrients, honestly. I, I started eating more protein. I started eating more carbs. That was a big one because I definitely was, kind of carb phobic for a while too, because there's so much, again, it's like that's, we were just talking about this with um, animal protein and meat, how much negativity there is and kind of like the, you know, in the world, I guess, <laughs> about that. But same thing with carbs for people who are health conscious, especially health conscious women. Um, there's a lot of fear mongering around carbohydrate and low carb is like such a fad in the nutrition space. And so I kind of, I fell into that as well for a time. And oh, that definitely. That did not serve me at all when I was, you know, not having a period and I was active and I was stressed um, because, I mean, we all have stress. It's just unavoidable. But, you know, being in medical school and dealing with all kinds of things. So that just did not serve me at all. So really making carbs a staple, having them at every meal was huge for me. Awesome. Yeah. Like eating more balanced meals, more balanced meals. Exactly. So just not having, not being low, anything like every meal includes carbohydrate, fat, and protein. Um, fat, I think I was, I was less afraid of that for a long time, but it was more about, um, really embracing animal fat, I think was big for me. Cause when I was vegetarian, you know, I was fine with like olive oil and avocado and nut butters and things like that. But, but I was still afraid of, of like fatty, fatty meat and butter, dairy, like the fat that's in whole dairy. So all of that, like really embracing that and incorporating that on a regular basis. I think that made a huge difference for me hormonally too. Awesome. No, I definitely, well, and if you think about it, that's how our hormones, that's a yeah. precursor to make our hormones is the cholesterol. Fat. Yep. The cholesterol specifically from animal fat. So, and that is something I think too, a lot of health conscious women, especially 
cut those things out. And a lot of us are told, oh, you need to limit saturated fat, make sure you're not eating too much saturated fat. But that is actually what provides the building blocks for our sex hormones. So if all of our fat is coming from vegetable sources, we're not getting the right kind of fat that's going to support hormonal health. Absolutely. And so many people are afraid to eat, you know, fattier cuts of meat or butter or, you know, you know, organic, full fat dairy. Yeah. It's great. You know, it's, it's so crazy. Whereas that's, I look at that as some of the most nourishing food that we can be eating. Me too. Now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I, I really want to pivot for a second and talk a lot about libido because I love, I love that you talk about that. And that is something Mm. that, you know, as, as women, we should be in tune with our feminine side and our Mm -hmm. libido. And that's honestly a huge sign of health. If you don't have libido, that's always a health question that I ask is like, you know, how how, do you have libido? Yes or no? Because if you do, then that's a great sign of health. And if you don't, we want to kind of figure out why that is. And so let's chat about, let's chat about that. Yeah, well, I, I absolutely love talking about libido. Because again, like you said, I think for women, it's something that it's kind of taboo. Like we just don't talk about it that much. And it's especially in the health space. It's so um, like well known and well accepted that, oh yeah, libido is important for men. Men have a high libido. Men need sex. You know, like it's, they have testosterone. They have this, they really need it. It's essential for their health. And when a man is not connected to his libido, right? He can't have optimal health. And I am here to say women are no different. It's a huge part of our um, of our health as well. And without it, we can't be optimally healthy. So I really love kind of opening up that dialogue and making it more, just kind of normalizing it really, um, because I think it is so important for us. And I think that I, I really became aware of that for myself again through my experience because I was so just really, you know, having an eating disorder or, and even not having a full-blown eating disorder, but when anytime we have a background of, or like a tendency to be restrictive with food, if any woman who's health conscious and she's trying to, you know, be really careful about what she's eating or be perfect, quote unquote, about what she's eating, and we cut things out and then we end up being low energy, we are really shutting ourselves off from that part of ourselves right? Does that make sense? It's oh, like, yeah. we're, we're, we're suppressing our, our expression, because we're just low energy. When you're low in energy, energy is being conserved. So we don't have, like the extra energy to be fully expressed women. Mm-hmm. And part of being a fully accessed, expressed woman is being in tune with your sexuality and how you express yourself sexually. And so I think that's huge. And I think for us to have optimal health, we do need to be to feel like we're fully embodying ourselves and who we are. And that includes our sexual, our sexuality. I could not agree more. What are, so, I mean, and I love that you take a holistic approach to fertility, like the mind body connection. And I just, I love that. So what are, what are some tips that you have for people who might be struggling with libido? Ooh, there are so many. This is such, it's such like I could talk about this all day because especially for, for women, our libido is so complex. Like there's so many different factors that play into it. There's definitely like, you know, very physical uh, and physiological factors, but there's also a lot more psychological and emotional and mental factors. 
And then there's things to consider about like the, the relationship. Like if you have an intimate partner, like things with the dynamic there. So there's all kinds of things to consider, but you know, I have been thinking about this a lot lately and I, I really feel that one of the most fundamental aspects for a woman who is concerned about libido and she really wants to, you know, to, to connect more to that part of herself. The first thing is we have to start actually seeing ourselves as sexual. And I think a lot of women either just don't see themselves as sexual or they're very shut off. They're kind of repressing it. Like they're almost afraid to admit that they are. Does that make sense? Definitely. Um, And I think there's, I mean, again, like there's a whole host of reasons for that. I think there's so much in our culture, like our society, it's like, oh, if a woman is sexual, she's a slut. Um, And so we're, and we're very taught, we're taught that from a very young age, you know, and we're not taught about like um, masturbation. It's like normal from, for boys when they're young, right. To do that. But it's not, it's not really taught to as something that's normal for women to start doing when we're younger. And so we just kind of, from a young age, we take on this idea that we're just not sexual or it's not okay to be. Mm -hmm. So I think then we grow up as adults and we're just kind of disconnected from it because we have all of these things that we've grown up with that it's just not okay for us. So I think that trying to become becoming aware of that and becoming aware of like all your stories and all of your uh, um, beliefs about your sexuality. And then how can you change them to actually create a belief that is aligned for with who you are now and who you, who's the woman that you are becoming. And so for me, I think really acknowledging and accepting, like I am a sexual being, and this is a big part of who I am. And it's a huge part of what I need to be an optimally healthy woman. Um, and just owning that and just feeling really comfortable about that for me was like a huge part. I mean, once you see yourself as sexual, then you start to have a libido all of a sudden. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's such a mental component with yep. it for sure. Yeah. And if you just keep t- saying, oh, it's I'm, I'm just not, or you, you just don't see yourself that way. Because for a woman, I think so much of our libido and our turn on, it comes from within. Mm -hmm. It's very different from the the male libido. And, you know, there's definitely, I don't want to deny the fact there's absolutely emotional and psychological aspects of the male libido. I don't think that gets talked about enough either. It's kind of like there's taboos and like kind of um, stereotypes for both men and women. But men definitely, I think they have a larger physical component to their libido. Like they, it's, there's more of like an external component to it. And Mm -hmm. for women, it's less external, so much more internal, like how we feel about ourselves and how we see ourselves and actually feeling sexy and, um, and not, not needing to be told that, but really believing it about ourselves. So uh, that kind of takes me back to why I, and so passionate about women healing their relationship with themselves, because that's where our libido comes from. When we can feel this sense of intimacy and love and connection, and we, know, we are turned on just by being who we are, then you take that into, um, you know, a, like an encounter with a partner. And it's, it's going to completely change that when you are, you just come into that space feeling just fulfilled from within instead of, having this like, oh, I, I just, I just don't see myself 
Um, I don't see myself as, as sexual or having all kinds of hesitations and suppressions around it. Ooh, I love that. That's so cool. I love that. That's so well said. Thank so you. Well said. You're welcome. What, um, what are some foods that you, well, and this kind of goes for hormone health, but like, what are some ways that we can use our nutrition and what we put on our plate to just help not even just increase libido, but like just our vitality as women? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, definitely number one is nutrient density. So like I said, meat, it's one of the most nutrient-dense foods in the world. It's so rich in vitamins and minerals, of course, amino acids, which are essential for the physiology as well. So I think having um, having that animal protein and meat in your diet on a regular basis, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I have red meat like once a week, maybe yeah. twice a week, you know, it's like, that's what we've been taught. We need to limit it. But like, no, having an abundance of it, it's, it's so nutritious. We need those, especially as women, you know, we're losing blood every month. Mm-hmm. So it's so important for us to constantly be feeding ourselves that stream of nutrients so that our bodies can keep working and running really well, not just like doing okay, but like doing really well. Absolutely. Well, do you have any favorite meats that you Ooh. like? I'm, I am a big fan of diversity. So I switch it up. I mean, I definitely love ribeye steak. It's mm-hmm. one of my go-tos. Fatty, very yes. fatty steak. I love it. It's so delicious. I like crave um, the fattiness of it. I yes. love it. Mm, it and for me, I mean, I think it's like, it's the least hard to mess up. Like the, totally. le- the leaner ones, like I just find they're so easy to overcook and then they're really tough. Yep. But ribeyes, like I never could, like they always turn out great. And I'm always like, oh my gosh, this is the best steak ever. So, um, so I do a lot of that, but I do, like, I like to mix it up. I'll do lamb, I'll do bison or buffalo, I'll do um, elk or venison. Um, but yeah, and I, I do beef regularly too. So I just try to mix it up um, with my meats. And um, so yeah, meats, I think having good, a good variety of fish and seafood as well, wild fish, wild mm-hmm. salmon. Um, and I've been definitely trying to incorporate more seafood like shrimp and scallops and oysters and things like that because they're so rich in minerals. Mm-hmm. Love that. So again, like the animal foods, the seafood and fish, and then um, we talked about the fats already in the beginning. So I think that making sure you're actually giving your hormones the building blocks and for women too, I like to add this because I think a lot of women think that their libido is associated with their testosterone levels, yes. which is true to an extent. We do, mm-hmm. you know, testosterone does play into the female libido, but our estrogen levels and the balance of our hormones, like the balance of our estrogen and progesterone, that does play into our libido a lot too. Estrogen, estrogen is actually the hormone that's responsible for female lubrication. Mm-hmm. So if our estrogen levels are low or if they're just out of the proper balance, we might have issues with lubrication, which that's a huge part of our ability to, to have a libido and to feel turned on is that, that lubrication that we make. So, um, so yeah, that we, our estrogen is definitely important for that. I always like to add that in. Yeah, I, I agree. It's so important. I just got off actually recording a podcast where I was interviewed and I was saying like estrogen gets a really bad rap, but oh, it's like know. that amazing like feminine hormone that like makes our skin glowy around ovulation and it like makes, yeah, like it helps with the lubrication, which obviously makes that whole experience just 
more enjoyable. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's, I mean, it's such a great hormone. Like it gives us our feminine features and it gets mm-hmm. such a bad rap. But like you said, it's so important for that balance between estrogen and progesterone. I could not agree more. And I often have to remind people the same thing because I like actually experienced that, you know, from being in a low estrogen state for so long. And then as I healed my hormones and started to make more estrogen, I like, I look like a completely different person. <laughs> like uh, it's my, crazy. It's crazy. And my body changed very favorably. So like, there's so many wonderful things about estrogen. And the one other thing that I'll just add, since we're talking about it is that we actually need estrogen to build muscle. And so I think it's very common. I I tend to um, interact with a lot of women who are very into fitness. They train a lot. They're really into exercising. They're obviously nutrition conscious and are in a low hormonal state. Like they have a similar kind of background to me. And um, what I really had to learn for myself too, is like, if you're strength training, you're doing all the fitness stuff and you're all about building muscle, but you have low estrogen it's like you're completely counterproductive. That's counterproductive. You can't actually build muscle when you don't have estrogen around. So that's just another reason why estrogen is so important. Um, Cause if you are building, if you're working on building muscle in your strength training, you're not going to have the same muscle building impact or effect if you don't have estrogen. Exactly. And it's, that's so important because that's a lot of people's goals that I work with too. And I've, I've worked with quite a few bodybuilders and we've run Dutch tests and, their estrogen and progesterone are just like tanked, which if they're trying to maintain the muscle that they work so hard to put on, we have to, we have to figure out a way to get those hormones back online. And a lot of times that means tapering down intensity, increasing calories, increasing fuel, like through nutrient density, right? Like it's not just like the, if it fits your macros approach, it's like, okay, we're adding in a lot more whole foods. Um, because that's honestly, and I totally agree like the best way to yeah. do those things. I see the same thing that, that you just described. And, and it can be confusing too, because I think a lot of women with that background, um, you know, bodybuilding, or they're just, they're already training at a pretty high level. They can still get a period, you know, like you yeah. can still have your period and have low hormones. Yeah. So it can be confusing for a lot of women because they're like, oh, I must be fine because I'm still having my period. But no, that's not, it's not always, it doesn't work that way. No, that's why I love testing. And, and, I, and a lot of times they might be getting a period, but it could be an, an ovulatory bleed. I mean, there's, exactly. there's so many things that go into it, which like hormones are just fascinating. It's just like yeah. you open up a can of worms when you start talking about them because well, I know. like, these are all <laughs> things that I truly think that like, obviously you and I are doctors, but I don't think that we necessarily have to be doctors to understand how our body works. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Like this is, I think this is what should have been taught to us in, yes. you know, health class in seventh and eighth grade. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to just quickly go back to your question about um, nutrition and libido. So the last thing I wanted to, to say about that was carbohydrates, mm. because again, like I said before, that's such a common thing that women are, you know, they're eating low carb. Um, and they're, they're replacing their carbs with like, you know, cauliflower rice or zucchini noodles or something, which is not a source of carbohydrate. And that is going to affect our libido. Cause like, again, as I referred to before, libido does require energy. It's like, if you are, if your body is holding or in energy conservation mode, you're not going to have the extra energy to have a libido. So carbohydrates are great for supporting a woman's libido because they actually give us that readily available energy to use. So we're just more fueled. We have the fuel and the energy available 
to be able to have a libido. Totally. What are some of your favorite go-tos? I love rice. I love sweet potatoes. I love regular potatoes. I love fruit. Um, I love honey. I've been adding honey to a lot more things. Um, I mean, I definitely am a fan. I like, I definitely eat treats. Like I enjoy having, you know, they're always, I always do. I'm very big on being gluten-free. That's kind of my one non-negotiable, but, um, but I like to enjoy treats and dessert kind of things here and there. I think, especially when you're active and stuff, it's like your body needs that fuel. Yeah. So, what is, what was that cookie that you put in your story the other day? What was that? What oh, did you, how did you make that? I actually didn't make that. So I've been going to the farmer's market every Sunday here. So I um, can support, I've, especially with everything happening in the world right now, I'm just, I'm really um, trying to make more of an effort to support local businesses and yeah, local same. farms. Uh, yeah. Great. <laughs> so I've been going every week and trying to do the majority of my shopping like my food shopping there and then if if there's anything else like during the week if I run out of something or I need something real quick I'll run to the store but I try to get everything as much as possible from the farmer's market but anyway there's this one vendor there that sells gluten-free cookies and they're delicious so I've been picking up a few cookies like every week I go and I get a few cookies to have for the week. And it's so fun. It's like my pre-workout. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Give myself some, some quick sugar to use and go burn off. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love going to the farmer's market every week. We actually, they continue here pretty much all winter. I'm interested to see what that looks like, but mm-hmm. I've been just stocking up on lots of squash, potatoes, yeah. sweet potatoes, all the, all the good stuff. Um, yeah. I'm always buying squash, potatoes, sweet potatoes, I've been really loving Asian pears this season. Mm. Yeah. I haven't gotten any of those yet. They're so good. They're really crunchy. It's kind of like, it's like a cross between a pear and an apple. Oh yes. I have had those before. I don't know. I feel like, I don't think I've seen them at the market. I have had some apples, um, but those were more just like wild or like apples that we have off of the tree because unfortunately Mm. there's so many places that I have a patient who tells me he he told me that all the places in the area that spray because he works for a company that like supplies all that stuff. And he's like, most orchards spray like four times a week. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I will not be doing that. Well, if you look at like an apple, like we have apple trees and it's like, if you look at an apple off of our trees where we don't touch it, and then you look at the apples that they're selling that are like pristine, they look like almost waxy. I'm like, that's not how that should look. Right. Um, I know. That's why I basically like stopped buying that kind of thing at the regular, even like the health food store. I know. Because I'm like, they look look too perfect. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, exactly. They're like They're too, too shiny. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I want something a little rough around the yeah. edges. I want um, the little the little like bruised runs. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. Yeah. I, there's they have more character. I totally, love Totally. Yeah, I do too. It's like they need love too. They do. <laughs> I know. So this was amazing. Can you share with listeners actually well, before I ask you where people can connect with you. What is if you what is one thing that you do every single day to be the alpha of your health? Ooh. Hmm. What is one thing I do every day? The first thing that comes to mind is I definitely I really try to prioritize my sleep. For me yes. that's like the number one. I feel like that's the the biggest foundation for me. It's like, I can eat as healthy as possible. I can work out. I can take supplements. I can, you know, like 
go take walks outside, whatever I do to take care of myself, it doesn't matter if I haven't slept well. Mm -hmm. That is for me, like it absolutely comes first. It affects everything. And I I literally do not show up in the same way if I haven't had a good night of sleep. So totally that is, I think just prioritizing that above all else. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I, I I think that's so important. That is a definitely a non-negotiable for me. And I do mm-hmm. not apologize for it because it is yeah. like, it's, I, it's, I, it's the, people don't want to talk about it, but it is one of the most important things I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you shared that. Where, mm-hmm. where can people find you? Where can people connect with you? Um, yes, I'm active on Instagram. It's Dr. Ellie Michelle and Ellie is spelled E-L-L-Y. And then my website is dreliemichelle.com. Awesome. Perfect. Well, and I will link those all in the show notes. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on. This was such a great conversation. And I think it's so, so important for people to hear this chat about, Mm -hmm. you know, recovering from eating disorders. And then obviously like where you were then to like where you are now and how your health has transformed. It's, It's really, really inspirational. And now you obviously help people with that. And it's just, it's amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that acknowledgement. And yeah, I, it's been such a pleasure to to chat with you. I feel like it flew by. <laughs> I know it went by so, so quick. fast. <laughs> I know. Well, we definitely have a lot. I think we are, we probably overlap a lot in terms of what we uh, do in practice. So we have, I feel like lots to, to talk about. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you.